You're listening to a Flower Pop production. Hello, lovely people. I hope you're good. And well, look, I know I've just done a bonus episode, but here's another because to be honest, I just couldn't wait. We're approaching half term here in the UK. And you know what? I was thinking you may just need something well full of warmth, honesty and good old fashioned fun. So let me introduce you to the wonderful AJ Pierce. Everyone's audience is out there. I, I think I think that is true. And it's up to us to try to learn the craft. Um, and if we can do all the sort of craft part of it and let ourselves speak in our books in the way that is sort of true to us, then it'll work, I think. AJ Pierce wrote the brilliant book, Dear Mrs. Bird. It was a Richard and Judy pick and was shortlisted for the British Book Awards. It's also been translated into 15 languages, was optioned for television even before it was published, and I'll be honest, is one of my very favourite books. AJ loved using her imagination as a child, but didn't ever think she could be an author. She worked in magazines before starting her writing career, and then everything changed forever when she found something on eBay. AJ talks about her own wobbles and how her overnight success was years in the making. She also believes next chapters aren't just about what you do, it's also all about the people you meet on the way. AJ is honest, open and full of warmth and wisdom about the tougher moments in life. She made me laugh and think in this conversation, a bit like her books really. I hope you'll love meeting her just as much as I did. Hello and welcome to The Next Chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to author, I speak with some incredible people who've already started their next chapters in the hope it'll help you with your next chapter. Or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, AJ Pierce. So, AJ Pierce, I'm just... I'm so delighted to be able to welcome you to the next chapter. I've been wanting to interview you for a long time. To have you here, it's absolutely a thrill to me. It's magical. So thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Oh, I'm, well, I'm pleased you're excited. I'm going to yeah. just start this. Let me just, I'm going to be a little bit nosy. Now, I know your real name is Amanda Jane, but we call yes. you AJ. So why, why did you, I mean, have you always been called AJ? Is this something to do with writing the books? No, it's it started, I think, when I went to university. I was about 19, and I think I was just trying to um, hopelessly sound more interesting than I was. <laughs> and um, I think, I um, I don't know, I just uh, decided to use the initials for a bit, and, um, and it sort of stuck. And so then uh, when I came to write, I thought, should well I use Amanda or Amanda Jane or whatever and then someone said look AJ sounds absolutely fine and so everyone now other than my parents who who just uh, don't or won't <laughs> that. Uh, um, everyone calls me AJ now yeah brilliant I wasn't sure because I wasn't sure if it was like a, a pen name or something I thought is it right we've got it right so I've got the name right so this is this is a good start AJ this is a good start <laughs> it is. so we start off as ever with the prologue so you grew up in Hampshire which is obviously where you live now so you grew up there you went to I think you went to secondary school in Basingstoke um, and so what kind of what kind of childhood would you say that you had I think I had a very lucky one um, I lived uh, until I was 14. We were in a village um, in in, uh, in Hampshire and my parents were from London and we were sort of, I suppose, London overspill, they used to call us. And 
I was I was born um, in Winchester, but we had yeah, we had a had a bungalow in the village and in the new bit of of the village. And I have an older brother, and it was a it was a lovely childhood. I look back at, and I was a shy child, super shy with anyone outside the, the family. I was noisy and and cheerful at home, but as soon as anyone tried to take me to school. I just stuck on the brakes and didn't want to go. Um, but, you know, we were, it was, I look back and I think, gosh, it, it was in the 70s and we had lots of freedom and we'd we'd go off with our friends and go on our bikes down to the common to look at the ponies. Uh, and now I don't think, I don't think that would, would happen mm. really. And we'd, we'd go off to on, on walks and and play poo sticks. I mean, it's sounding a bit idyllic. Um, <laughs> it is, but, but, it, but it was all right. I yeah. think I was very lucky. Yeah, yeah. How lovely. And you say so you were shy. I think you did like writing then. Though. I mean, did, did you like stories? Did you like the writing, the reading, all of it? Yes, I did. I I, I showed an interest in reading, and so my mother, who who was and still is at ninety one, um, a, a, a voracious reader. So she very much encouraged me to learn to read. Mm. And uh, I don't know if they still had them, but we had those flashcard things, which you know, you had which a card with door written on it, and she stick it on the door. It sounds like she was hot housing me, but I think <laughs> I was just a keen little little nerdy girl, and I wanted to learn to read. And as soon as I could read, I, then I I was chomping my way through through books both at home and school and and it it was always a big part of life mm. um my grandfather was a wonderful storyteller um and he would just make up stories and uh, for us it was always granddad tell us a story and it wasn't until years and years later when i thought i could effortlessly make up stories on the hoof for my for my goddaughters that i realized that that's a real talent mm. it's so it, he wasn't just retelling a fairy story he was making up stories from scratch as as he went so we we had that as a our formative years and i i i loved making up stuff i i used to i dreamt of having a pony and uh, there was no way i was going to have a pony <laughs> so i used to run an imaginary riding school mm. that was good fun and uh, i ran an imaginary school for children which was i was very strict but fair teacher mm -hmm. I'm, sure, I'm sure you were <laughs> for sure my dolls <laughs> and I I I did um well my mum says that I used to sit in my pram and laugh all on my own which I think mm. sounds a bit creepy no, but um, yeah, it sounds lovely but perhaps I was I was making up my own jokes and finding myself <laughs> hilarious <laughs> Nothing wrong with it's that. really bad. No, I, I found myself actually apologising the other night because I actually was laughing at my own jokes. But then I thought, well, actually, at least I find them funny. So I, I, yes. I think that baby sounds great. I think that is, that is what a lovely baby. What a lovely Weird little child. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. And so, and don't you think, though, it's amazing that like, the, the reading is, uh, I was a shy child, and you could just go into a whole, you could just go into this imaginary world, like you said, and in that world, you didn't feel shy, you could just be you, and it was just, what a I mean, what a lovely gift and place to be able to go to. Yes, I, I completely agree. I think it's, and I, you can go to worlds that you didn't have any, any, chance of being part of so mm. I used to love reading um that the boarding school books that the yes, Mallory Towers yes. and, and St. Clair's uh, and um 
and all and the chalet school mm. uh, and these were you know lots of them were written in the 40s and 50s and they were posh kids at boarding school which really wasn't me um <laughs> but you could you could be part of the the midnight feats mm. couldn't you and the, the ginger pop and all that yes, business the lemonade or whatever yes. it was loved it still think about it still, mm. yeah, it's and the a... pony books oh, i always yeah. i read tons of pony books because and my favorites were always the sort of jill's gymkhana where a a, a, a girl would find a pony by the side of the road or be miraculously given a pony and yeah. she would keep it in the garden and and rescue it and then uh, by the end win everything at the gymkhana oh, yeah <laughs> i love that yeah but if that had happened to you aj aj what would the poo sticks as well that would have been a little bit too idyllic to have the, the pony <laughs> given to you as well <laughs> my dad would have been really cross about it being in the garden <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. that wouldn't have worked at all but Yes, poo sticks, I could, we could manage because that's just a stick on a bridge, isn't it? But yeah. that's not a massive investment. Oh, how lovely. So at school, did you like English at school? I did. Um, I I didn't like school particularly, um, I, I but I liked, I liked English. I was better at English language than English literature. I was all right at in English lit, but I was better at making up stuff. And, and I really liked history as well, which... You know, it took another 40 years, but finally <laughs> it made sense. Finally, I did something with my O-levels. Yeah. Um, but I, I did. I liked I liked all the art stuff. I, I would have loved to have been a vet, um, okay. but I was unbelievably dreadful at science. <laughs> oh, yeah. But sometimes these things, are, you know, sometimes again it's like these ideal worlds that we want to be part of but actually you know you, it doesn't necessarily mean you can or, or you're well suited maybe you're going to have to write about animals one day yes I did manage to squeeze quite a lot into the current book actually I was really really pleased about that I finally managed to get a dog in one of my books so that was that was very exciting I've got I've got chickens and ducks in it as well and so yes I I like I like writing about Animals and children are, are great fun to write yeah. about because um, they do what they want, yeah. really. Yeah, exactly. little minds <laughs> of their own. Well, speaking of which, so then you went from university, so you went off to university and you did actually American studies at, right, at the University of Sussex. So what? why yes. Why was that? Were you fascinated by America? Uh, I wanted to go there for, for, a, for a year. <laughs> well, why not? Why so, not? And that was one of those weird and, and lucky things that um, back in the day, uh, because uh, we didn't have the internet back then, and um, everybody used to do that thing, you know, when you sent off to the university prospectus and and got, and got it came through the, the post, and then you'd look at all the courses and see if you wanted to apply and all that business. And I had done that, but when it came to Sussex, a friend of mine who had... Um, been applying the year before said he said oh don't bother to send off for the prospectus use mine so I did that and thought American studies majoring in history this sounds great you get a year in America this is a genius move by me and so I managed to get onto the course and then the first week they called all the American study students together and said well as it said in the prospectus the year abroad was under review and and we're not sending you <gasps> No. <laughs> oh, no, that's awful. What? And because I'd read the wrong prospectus, this was news to me. Oh, and no, so, um, yeah, that was a down moment. Uh, but it was a blow. Um, it was a blow. Was yeah, a that blow. was a low. <laughs> <It was. laughs> but because we were students, we 
we just said, well, we'll go on strike. If we can't go, we will go on strike. I don't know why, what we thought we were striking about because obviously it was in our own best interest to learn stuff <laughs> and get a degree, but we all kicked up a, a, a huge fuss and they relented and, and did reinstate the year abroad. Oh, well and, done you. Um, so uh, so I, I got to go off to Northwestern, which is which is on Lake Michigan, just north oh, of Chicago wow. for a year, which was um, it was unbelievably exciting yeah. and and a, a wonderful experience. So so that was and and Amer American history is so interesting mm. that uh, and I did some American literature during it. And it, it, um, yeah, it was it was a really good time I enjoyed that immensely yeah and well done you for fighting for it and was that in your third year uh, at university it was yes the junior year abroad it was called and oh. so you just sort of I remember I remember shopping for clothes and this dates me it was the day of Live Aid mm. and and <laughs> rushing back home to watch Live Aid on the TV after I'd bought my new clothes for Verica and I also decided that it would be a good idea to have a, a perm as perms yes, were quite, should, yeah. quite trendy there. And I have incredibly straight hair. And but I thought it would be kind of a a jazzy new look for my entry into American society. And uh, but it didn't really take. So I just looked like a rather limp, a rather a chub, <laughs> chubby Farrah Fawcett kind of look. And so I'm in a, it, it, it was not good. I'm and sure so, it wasn't. I'm sure it was very banana rama, just a little, you know, a little mm, kink, a little kink. Oh, you say that? No, it was. <laughs> but I was. I, I felt very strongly. I needed to look kind of pre-Raphaelite, uh, 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 and so I went back to get my money's worth from the from the hairdresser the next day and said, "It hasn't worked. I think you need to do it again." So, <laughs> what an idiot! Um, so they permed my hair for the second time in two days, and I did look like something. I I looked like someone had put my finger in a in a socket. <laughs> I, looked, I mean, when I went to America, people were stopping me in shopping malls going, is that a perm? <laughs> so, um, yeah, but look, it wasn't quite the... It gave quite, you a distinctive look, I would say. It's well, the 80s. <laughs> you're so kind. Yeah. No, I look I, like a maniac. No, I thing is, I can relate because I had a perm and mm. I asked to look like Madonna, but... I yes. ended up looking like Vera Duckworth. Now, this is no offence to Vera Duckworth because what well, an amazing character, but it wasn't the look I yes. was going for, AJ. And in the end, I, had no. to, I in the end, like I had, I, I shut myself in the bedroom for like a week. I, I blame the permers, if I'm honest. I'm not sure they really had it going, you know, in the way it should have done. But I'm sure you carried off that look, and it gave you that distinctive feel. I think I think people probably just thought it's a weird thing British people do. Yeah, yeah, and and so. Um, we won't, most people other than the ones stopping me in shopping malls um, were kind enough not to, to mention it. But I, I do remember having it chopped off just as soon as I possibly, <laughs> possibly could. And Perms and I have never really met again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all part of the character building experience, I think. So uh, speaking of which, so yes. then you went to work and I love this because you worked, I, well, I read that it was entertainment marketing and publishing for an engineering magazine. Yes, it doesn't sound very entertaining, does it? Well, um, I just wanted that... putting all those all those words together. It just is. I mean, what an, what an amazing job! Well, it was it was one of those um, bluffs, really, because when I I left university, um, I had been to to a school where you weren't 
they didn't really seem to encourage us to, to get into a career. I don't think they quite knew what to do with us. Um, and at university, there was the, was it called the milk run that people would um, go and apply for, for jobs, most of which seemed to be accountants, yeah. which um, I like accountants um, because I think they're going to, particularly tax ones, because I figure they'll keep me out of prison because I don't really understand that side of things. <laughs> I'm not bad at maths, but I'm rubbish at things like that. So um, I have a, a great love of accountants, but I'm not, it wasn't something I wanted to do. And I knew a couple of people who'd gone into advertising, but I didn't really think, I thought advertising was for cool people. You know, in the 80s, it was all very, you know, shoulder pads and massive mobile phones. Yeah. So I thought... <laughs> I mean, this is talk about not doing my homework. I thought marketing was probably a bit like advertising, yeah. but you didn't have to be quite so cool. Yeah. Okay, and I might I have a that. chance. Yeah, I get that. Um, so I managed to get a, a job um, at a local company as the sort of marketing gopher, really, um, for an ele electronics company, which made these things called programmable controllers, which I still don't really know what that is. But I... I was a bit useless as a marketing assistant, and but I was keen, and I worked hard, and I would do things. Oh, my! The marketing director would say, "Amanda, can you uh, send this press pack off to the engineer or whatever, some magazine?" And I would. I can remember on one occasion I sent all the originals off. I didn't realise you had to make copies of stuff, <laughs> so I was a bit rubbish. And one of the rubbish things I did was I forgot to put. Um, something in his diary where a, a salesman from the engineer magazine was coming along to try and sell space. And I, I completely forgot to put it in my boss's diary. So when the salesperson turned up, my boss was away on business. So I had to take the meeting myself. And so I did a lot of nodding and listening and got their media pack and thanked him profusely. And that's what started my career because when I... Um, I was made redundant from my first job because they closed the office or something. I mean, it wasn't some terrible thing I'd done. I, it was one of those things. It wasn't for that and, meeting. <laughs> actually, now I'm saying it, it really could have been sending the original. <laughs> oh, crikey. Yeah, it's all coming out now. No. Ellie, it's been 40 they years just, and you've they suddenly... Just closed, they just closed down. It was a tough time. Penny has dropped. Yeah. It wasn't the... <laughs> make downsizing it was me all the time Never, no way um but it did mean that when i saw a, a marketing assistant job advertised in the guardian i was able to bluff my way through the interview because i it was for the engineer and what's new in engineering and what's new in farming all these businessy magazines and wow. based entirely on what this very nice chap had told me about the magazine i, I had boned up and looked like a relatively knowledgeable person about um, selling ad space wow. so um, I, I bluffed my way through and found myself working on yeah what's new what's new in farming big farm weekly amazing <laughs> sounds weird yeah that's amazing <laughs> you weren't you weren't tempted to have another perm to sort of carry on with the whole you know marketing and media look <laughs> no I think by then we, were, we all had very smooth bobs oh yeah it was you know we we're all trying to look as if we were uh, uh, in an advert for a VW Golf it was that <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, and so I was there for a while and then I saw a job advertised as an assistant um, at Smash Hits magazine at the publishers that did Smash Hits which at the time was just massive yeah and huge had all the song words and stuff and I and I really super luckily 
um, got that job. So I, I, that's how I kind of got into the entertainment side of things for a little while and, um, and got to be the person who ordered up the badges who, that were stuck on the front of the magazine, which yes! was brilliant. Oh, my yeah. God, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was little, great. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And so how long were you there for? I was there, I think, about four years. And I used to work on the music magazines, um, Smash Hits and Q. And I think I worked on Raw, which was a heavy, it was a metal magazine. Yeah. And I loved it. I, because whilst I was the sort of sensible marketing person, you know, I got to work a little bit with, with some of the editorial teams who were just inspirational, mm. really inspirational and really talented. And, and that was just a lovely world to be part of. I think Empire magazine, the film magazine, had just started. And one of my first jobs was literally stuffing envelopes um, to be set to send copies out to Hollywood to agents and stuff. And, uh, and I can remember sitting on the floor, look, seeing the names on the on the envelopes and of, of you know famous people and thinking, oh, I've made it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Within stamp licking distance. Yeah. Of, Give a direct to them. Major celebrities. Yeah, you had their addresses <laughs> and their contacts and and also but yeah. also then without I mean in, in like joking aside because now obviously we have the internet and we can see people and we see people on their Instagram feeds and you think oh yeah do you know what I kind of know Reese with a spoon and I'm pretty, um, yeah. but there must be but then there wasn't anything like that so just to have that kind of connection that's like really exciting. It was. I mean, obviously, it was no connection whatsoever, but it, it felt like it. And that's, yeah. you're so right. I mean, now you can kind of, you can leave a message on social media for anybody you like, which is yeah. a wonderful thing. But back in the day, it was, you know, you bought a magazine and there might be a picture. God, I sound about a million years No, ago, no, but. no, you're not. You're not. And just I am after not the much, war. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When we used to go and call the operator, but no, it was <laughs> hello. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, it it no, I, I, I'm not far behind you. But it, but life has changed. We talk about this on this podcast quite a lot, actually. Life has changed so quickly in a mm. very few years, even in just like the last 10, 15, 20 years. So it was quite the same, which obviously we'll come on to talk about because you know all about this. But I mean, it was just a different world. And were you all the time then, did you, were you thinking you'd like to write as well alongside all of this? Was that always sort of in the back of your mind? It, it, it wasn't. I mean, I had loved writing and making up stories when I was little, as, we, as we've spoken about. Um, and I I wrote terrible poetry when I was a teenager. I mean, really, I'm so thankful that there, there, there weren't blogs or internet or the internet or anything then because, it, you know, unpublishable awfulness on a regular basis. <laughs> They're all somewhere in a file oh. stuck away and they will never see the light of day. But um, I used to really enjoy doing that. Yeah. And um, but then I went to college, you know, and got a job and and was having fun and and just living and it wasn't until I reached my late 30s that I and thanks to emails again I sound like a, a an ancient person but emails re um it sort of woke up that I liked writing because yeah. suddenly you could edit you know you'd be emailing a mate and you could edit the story to be just a little bit more entertaining yeah and and I found that um, I enjoyed being the person who perhaps wrote a tricky letter to a client or something at work, and I liked writing reports. So 
when I was, I think, about 38, 39, perhaps maybe a little older, um, I thought I'd go on a writing course. Um, I'd just in the way that you do, um, I'd tried to, I'd done a photography course, you know, just evening classes for a bit of fun. And I I Googled writing courses and up came the Arvon Foundation, which um, is, a, is a wonderful um, organization which runs four or five day courses in their various um, their various places around the country. I think they have four or five houses that they do them in. And for anyone listening who is interested in learning to write, um, that's a really good place to start. Mm. Um, and I, so I just thought I'll, I'll go on, I'll go on a week's course to, uh, as part of my holiday allowance. Uh, but I didn't tell anyone because I thought they would, they would be sort of Oh, AJ, you know, ooh, get you, Mrs. Writer. Yeah. What do you, you know, Mrs. Creative? And I was, so I just sneaked away. Um, oh. And <laughs> which was really odd because people naturally go, oh, you're going on holiday, whereabouts? Yeah. Uh, Yorkshire. Oh, who are you going with? No one. Yeah. You know, I just put those off in Mystery, yeah, mystery person. Yeah. Um, and it was life-changing. It was almost... Um, it was it was like finding this other world because the Arvon courses are are, are taken by um, that they're run by published authors and and I just remember turning up feeling quite shy and a bit nervy and what sort of person will be on this course and feeling very much imposter syndrome mm. you know oh my word what am I doing here the first person I I saw was a a young woman with really long bright pink hair who looked and it was back to not being cool at school you know she looked amazing and I'm like what am I doing I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep quiet and sit at the back oh, but you know that feeling um, the the tutors were lovely mm. they, they and it was an introduction to writing course and I also didn't realize that in writing courses sometimes you read stuff out and that was a bit terrifying but Every single person who read anything out, the tutors found something to be encouraging about or, or no one, nobody was laughed at or, or undermined or told, mm, well, okay, good try, but <laughs> kind of thing. And it was, it was just a lovely, lovely atmosphere and people were, were allowed to be creative. You were allowed to, to, start writing without feeling that you were either um an imposter or you were being pretentious or had ideas about yourself and so then I thought you know I, this is a lovely world I think I'd like to be part of this and I wonder if I could write a novel and that's where everything sounds a bit dramatic doesn't it but that it really did change everything yeah, yeah how amazing and did you stay with the other people on the course did you all stay together in Yorkshire or so were you together in the evenings yes the way that those courses are run and and lots of writing retreats as well which is still one of my favorite things to do I tend to do it with friends now but um there were 16 people and in in shared or single rooms and they also did this thing and I think they still do where you took it in turns to do the cooking which is a great way to get to know people because um, you'd sign up for one of the evenings and with three or four other complete strangers find yourself cooking for 16 people and um, which is which was great fun and they they 
they get all the food in for you so you have all the ingredients so you can't go too wrong but it's it's a good bonding process and um and I did a couple of other courses at various times um with Arvin and and I'm still really good friends with people that I met there including actually Katie and um and Judy Astley who um they did a commercial writing commercial fiction course and I remember getting the the prospectus the years um, sort of brochure and and saw this commercial writing uh, um, course with two of my heroes, Katie Ford and Judy Astley. And mm. by then they had invented the internet properly, and um, which is good. So signed up to the course immediately. And, and that was another life-changing um, piece of luck. Because I remember when they walked in, we were all sort of sitting down. All the students were along a big table. It was mostly, mostly women. And they were all lovely. And Katie and Judy walked in and I was just, I could, I remember almost feeling panicked, kind of, oh, there they are, yeah. there, there they are. And, oh, God, I hope they like me. Yeah. You know, it was kind of, because they're just, they're absolute superstars yeah. and I love their writing. So, uh, and they, of course, were absolutely lovely and yeah. funny and supportive and, and kind and everyone on that week's course had the time of their lives and 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 we stayed in touch and and became friends and along with a couple of the other students and it was and they encouraged me to to keep going and and try to be published so really super lucky oh that's amazing you say that that's how i felt when you joined aj the the zoom call for the other oh, skype call for this <laughs> I was like, I was, honestly they're mega stars oh, oh no it's the same thing but then i for um people listening i would because this is the amazing thing which i had no idea about this so all my the list of like my favorite authors and this is no this is no gushiness this is so true and i wrote down when i started this podcast and i had millie johnson i had jill mansell i had you i had katie ford and i had um i, I think i've got joe thomas st- on the on the yes. list as well but i had no idea that you're all such good friends and you go away uh together and i know when i interviewed Millie, she was going off like the following week i think she got a brand fancy new laptop which she said she didn't even use <laughs> but honestly i i had to stop myself because I'll, I'll be there at the window like poking some kind of stalker but honestly it's just amazing that you are you, you, it's funny isn't it because you don't realise the effect you have on other people. But um, how I look at you all, that's how I look at you. But it's but also, isn't that incredible that you went and did that? And that must have been really brave for you to go on both of those courses. But it mm. just goes to show, doesn't it, doesn't it, that when you step over that line and when you go in there into this world, you just it's normally not as scary as what you think. And you just never know who you might meet or what you're going to learn either. I agree entirely. And it, and it is... It is scary. Uh, uh, and I, I think as you get older, it doesn't get any easier no. either. You know, I, I mean, I think, and and lockdown didn't help. You know, we were all sort of, I, I know quite a few people, uh, myself included, that I've just sort of got out of practice of going and doing stuff. And um, so it's it, it can be tricky. And, and going on a writing course, you know, you turn up and there are all these other people and and the voices in your head are saying, gosh, they're probably all friends and mm. coming up with a million things, which mm. probably isn't true. But the writing community has been super supportive mm. and really lovely. And um, yes, I, I, I became friends with 
with Katie and Judy and Katie introduced me to Joe Thomas who was another mm. utter joy yeah. um, mm. and then we in lockdown I don't know if if Katie or Millie said this in in lockdown we were supposed to go out for Judy's birthday and it was just at the start of COVID and so we we did a Zoom session instead and that became a, a weekly Friday Zoom with a bunch of us which um, carried on throughout lockdown and and we still do every Friday mm. um, I guess it's three years later but wow. so it's it's become a a lovely place they're far more experienced than me I mean Jill is on I think her 36th book mm, it's a lot it is a lot it's amazing and they're all good they're so good. I feel I, I feel very much still the new girl in terms of being a writer <laughs> but they're you know they're great in terms of um you know get messaging them and going I can't write books and yeah. <laughs> can you remind me how I start a book again and they're always yeah. they're always lovely and helpful or, or um I'll get halfway through or, or any of us will be having one of those bad days that everyone has and the others will all come in and go you know this is what happens you'll be fine and then a day later you're like actually yeah thank you it, it, it has been okay yeah so how amazing um, because also if you work because you work on your own if you worked in an office you might have that but that's really like having your your friends and your like co but also colleagues you know some really the most yeah. supportive colleagues it's just amazing and it is because I I went last week uh to the London book fair which I'd never oh, been wow. to and I made myself go on my own um and I, oh, honestly AJ I felt sick I did I felt and I'm 49 and I'm a journalist and I can go into pretty much any environment as a journalist and it just doesn't um bother me but going in as with my three self-published books in my backpack and I had no idea what to expect and that I wrote about it actually in um on my little blog but I I just Good. oh the that voice and that whisper and that and it's like you don't belong. And then I then I actually made myself sorry, this is not about me, but it's just purely because no, it's interesting. And, and again for someone listening, because it's just it's the fact that we all we all experience this, whoever we are, wherever we are, it's that new beginning, isn't it? And I actually yes. found myself going down in the big part where there's all the agents and I'd like I've been rejected by so many agents and I could see all these people and I felt like some again, some kind of stalker, and like, oh my god, I know mm. you and I know you. They don't know me. And it was like some kind of it was like a nightmare. It was like a horror, like, oh my oh. God, this is, a... but actually then I came away and I thought, and I was going to go home and then I went back and I was like, no, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm making this story up in my head and I'm yes, causing sir. this. And I went back and then I actually met some lovely authors who were so encouraging, exactly like how you, how you say, oh. but it, it goes to show that voice in our head is telling us their thoughts and it's just not true, but we create such awful scenes for ourselves. I agree, and and I've never been to the London Book Fair, and I always I'd love to go. But I think one of the things I always say, and I'm really quite bad at doing it, but it's speak to yourself as if you were speaking to your best friend, mm. because you'll be an awful lot nicer to yourself. You know, it's kind of if your best friend was walking into the London Book Fair feeling that she didn't belong, you would say to her, "Don't be mad, mate. Yeah. Of course you belong. Yeah. You've written three books. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. You have every right to be here. Yeah. You know, hold your head up because you should be here." Yeah. Um, but it's far harder to say that to ourselves, isn't it? Yeah. So, so I try to. I think it is that thing. You know. So, okay, how would I speak to my best friend? You would. You wouldn't say you're an idiot. Go home. No. You'd be like, 
you'd be like, this is, you're here and yeah. you, you are rightly here. And anyone who doesn't welcome you is an idiot. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I like that. And so, that, yeah. that I think is, I, I must remind myself that. Yeah. that Remember say to say this. that next time. Are you good at parties? Because I'm rubbish at parties. Yeah, no, I, do you know what? I'm not. And again, because of the job I do as a journalist, I can. I went to a big event on Sunday night and that was a TV event. So that was funny because having gone in the week to a, a book event where I feel a complete, I felt like 12, you yes. know, wanting to be a part of someone's gang to being, I was a judge at this big TV event. So it's like two completely si- wow. different sizes of the coin. But I do find, I do find, it is. I just think talking to it can be exhausting. I I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. But I think I'm not. It's not my natural. I I then need to be quiet for a bit of time after, if that makes sense. Because I just think it's it's quite overwhelming. I don't know. How do you find it? I do. I oddly, one of my favourite things is doing events. I really really enjoy that. Yeah. And um, I love doing book tours, and I love chatting about books, and I and one of the best bits is talking about. talking to readers about any books not necessarily mine but just chatting about books I do I I think you just have you just have to kind of um try not to listen to yourself don't you and try to get come now just crack on and get on with it but I think um rooms full of people when you don't know anyone I think I find is always tricky and and always um the the shy bit comes through and it is that kind of stick on a stick on a smile and pretend that you're more confident yeah. than you are um, yes. and sometimes it works and sometimes it it doesn't but it's um but we've all and I think I, I mean I'm 58 now and there's that cliche about becoming invisible uh in middle age and all that sort of stuff and it's a real shame it shouldn't happen even if we're feeling that way stuff it yeah yeah let's not let's somehow we'll get heard yeah. And that's another thing where I'd say to anyone thinking of writing, do it, whether you're, you're going to be published or whether you, you're going to write poetry or your memoir or, or rom-coms or whatever you want. Um, just start doing it because you might be surprised at, at where it takes you. And even better than that, who you will meet. Yeah. Because I think um, not just the... Um, the, Katie and, and the gang but I've made some lovely lovely friends through writing and uh, and I mean I've been published I think for the last five years but I had already made some friends for life before that mm. that even if I'd never been published um, making friends with people who were also writing and and um, and finding your voice mm. uh, I mean it's a, that thing that you that every writer has to do you sort of find your voice and and if you're lucky you find other people who are in the same position and that's a that has been one of the best bits of all about all of this mm. is finding people who get it and and you can share the roller coaster that is mm. trying to yeah well I mean coming on to talk about that I mean that is a magic and that's the same for all next chapters not even just writing because you can it's, it might be yeah. going back to start all over again and you feel that that 12 year old but it's so worth it I can't ever imagine you being invisible in any room AJ I can't ever but anyway, <sighs> always um, all the time just the just the, the yeah it's, but it's, it's I, get that perm it's, back. It's, I mean everyone will notice you with that perm do you know maybe I should get another yeah. one you're absolutely yeah. right maybe a wig bring back so, Farrah Fawcett that's what I say <laughs> even a limp bring, version bring back the crazy 
looking weird. So why not? God, okay. that would be. I think being noticed for the wrong reasons isn't necessarily any better than no. feeling invisible. No, even with the pink hair with the other lady. But anyway, so look, we're diverse. So look, going at so so you. I mean, I know. I mean, obviously, you wrote the oh, the incredible dear Mrs. Bird, which has now been on yours cheerfully. And then we've got, and I've been reading it. This brilliant Mrs. Porter calling Mrs. Porter. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. But so so how did it? So you went on your writing course, but also mm-hmm. I know as well that you found you sort of stumbled upon an old a woman magazine from 1939 so how did this then yeah. all come back how did you start writing and then how did you become published and it's a big question. well I think I mean it's a scary amount of luck and and circumstance I think but I had um after the Arvon course I went on various different writing courses or, or um uh, sometimes at book festivals they'll have seminars you know won't they those sort of hour-long um sessions and they're always great fun to go to and rather exciting and and inspiring and I was doing lots of those and I had written the first draft of a, a contemporary romance um and which was a really I mean nothing is ever wasted uh, I think um uh, tragically I had not really put much of a plot in it and uh I went on one writing course and the the, the very brainy lovely author and said to me, so what's your book about? And I'm like, well, it's about a, a young woman who goes back to her hometown. And, <laughs> and then I thought, oh, and nothing much goes on. Um, but so I had I had written a, a, a bad um, contemporary romance, um, well, the first draft at least. And um, uh, by then I had been introduced to, to the Romantic Novelists Association via Katie and the mm. others, which is a very supportive organisation. Mm. Um, of its members and its new its new writers scheme and I I was sort of encouraged you know this is this book is not going to get you a publishing deal but it there are signs that you know there's you've got something keep going which was enough for me to to say okay I, I need to find another idea and by then I was also reading more and more books written in the 30s and 40s sort of started with you know, as many people do, I'd, I'd read Nancy Mitford quite late on and and then moved on to to becoming really keen on um, much of the books that are, are, are published by Persephone books now. Um, uh, D.E. Stevenson, mm. uh, who, who wrote Miss Bunkle's book, I'd read that and I and then more of her books. And I just was really enjoying the the sort of social comedies written you know, 80 or, or, or so years ago. And then I was just on eBay one day and I don't know why it, it came up, but it, it was a one of the women's, the weekly women's magazines, and it was about 4 95 and I bought it. Another life-changing moment. Um, and when I got it, I just, it was an instant, oh my goodness, this I want to write about this because... I've always loved magazines, um, not just working at, at some, but um, from a child, from getting Twinkle, the magazine for little girls in, in the yes, late 60s. I love Twinkle, yeah. Twinkle was great. Yeah. And, and then Jackie. And then Jackie. And then I moved on to, I think, 19 and Honey. And yeah. was it called Over 21? And then on to Cosmo. Oh, and yeah. and now, you know, I, I, I read house magazines and gardening magazines yeah. and stuff like that and, yeah. and women's magazines. So when I had this copy of a, an 80-year-old magazine, it was, 
And I always say this, it was like a window into another world, but in a format that I was really familiar with. Mm. So because essentially the, the format hasn't changed much. You, you have fashion and beauty and cookery and fiction and, of course, the problem page. And the problem page was the, the thing that just grabbed me because uh, the war, it was the week, I think this, this issue was from the week, maybe the week before the war had started. Oh. Um, and lots of the problems are very much of, of its time, you know, sort of, um, I think there was one problem, you know, young man had taken someone to the cinema and, and he now wants me to repay him in a way I know is very wrong, I think was the way that she put it. So it was kind of <laughs> quaint, I suppose, compared to now. Um, but I started collecting women's magazines and the wartime ones had a mixture of problems that we can completely relate to, you know, problems with, with men or families or friends or work um, or money. Um, but in there as well were problems that could only have been from a, a time of, of great conflict. I mean, some of them absolutely, you know, gut-wrenching problems that people were writing and life and death situations, which, you know, the, the, the agony aunt had to answer in 50 words or less. Mm. And at that point, I thought, OK, I know I want to write about this. I was a bit worried and we're back to this thing about... Um, being worried about making a change or making mm. a jump to something you don't know about because I thought gosh if I write a historical novel that's going to be research mm. what if I get it wrong mm. that sounds like very hard work I haven't done history since I was at university you know again this silly voice in your head mm. going giving you reasons as to why you can't mm. Mm. and they're all quite valid reasons but just not very helpful at the time yes it's uh, and you kind of go well you know, I'm, I'm writing a historical novel. I'm not writing a thesis. Get a grip, woman. Um, and then I, I bought a volume of, of magazines from the 1890s and saw their version of the Agony Aunts back then were really ferocious, really quite kind of, as you can imagine, that sort of, well, late Victorian, you can't do anything. And yeah. questions like... Um, is it all right to there's a young man who is the son of my of a friend of my father's if i see him in the town is it all right for me to say good morning Ooh. or should i wait until we've been introduced oh i mean and what was the answer i i can't remember now actually i must look it up i've i've I've, I've forgotten but it was all that kind of you know by our standards yeah so so different and that's yeah. where the the idea of of dear mrs bird came from what if we took an agony aunt from that very very um old-fashioned era of not even saying hello to a, yeah. a bloke in the street that you quite fancy and put her in the 1940s yeah. where people are it's a lot more modern in actual fact some of the agony aunt um answers in the the wartime magazines are a lot more broad-minded than you'd expect i mean not all of them sometimes their attitudes are absolutely horrendous but um they are they understand that during the war women their husbands had been away a long time they had perhaps um they were lonely they'd fallen in love with the wrong man or had relationships outside of their marriages or had got pregnant whilst their, their husband was away and and i thought well how would uh, a victorian agony aunt yeah. cope with this moral 
disaster. Yeah. <laughs> and and so that sort of at that point, I just thought, I know, I'll, I'll give this a go. Yeah. Let's see if I can write something set in the 1940s. And then I ended up finding that I really love the research. And that's a really interesting part of, of what I do now. So yeah. um, it's again, just it's like jumping into a swimming pool, isn't it? Oh. Just jump in and see what happens look at what it's created so were you still at smash hits at this stage no no i had left there a long long time ago i i just had a had a career in in various marketing and other sort of commercial jobs and by the time i started writing dear mrs bird i was freelancing right um as a marketing consultant and yeah. so it meant i had quite a um a flexible working um a situation so I could try to I worked from home quite a lot and I could try and do all my most of my work for clients Monday to Thursday and then on a Friday and at the weekend I'd start trying to write a book so I, I was I was incredibly lucky that I could find a bit of time or I'd work really late into the night on my other stuff and then free up times when I could I could try and write a novel. Yeah, but you say lucky. I mean, a lot of people after a busy week would say, oh, you know, I just I would like to do that. but I'm going to have a bit of time off. But I think it, I mean, it's hard working. Keep doing this sort of seven days a week. But so, I mean, it is incredible that the book, I mean, it was so I think was it was it 2018 it came out? Yes, yeah, it was yes. 2018, and it was—I mean, it was shortlisted for the British Book Awards, and I think it was a similar sort of thing in America as well. It was a Richard and Judy pick, and yeah. it was—which I find this—I mean, this is just incredible. It was optioned for television before it was even out, which I just think that is—I uh, mean, it's just incredible. So, how how did you how did that all come about? How did I mean? How did you find the journey to publication? I know it's another big question. Yes, well, it's a tortoise and hare thing. I was the tortoise, I think, because um, I took ages and ages and ages to write Dear Mrs. Bird. And um, and I would stop now and then and, and a little bit give up. And, and this is where having other friends who were writers or trying to get published as well, where that comes in, where they were like, you cannot give up on this. Mm. Keep going. And so it had taken me quite a long time. And... I had another stroke of luck. I'd been on a, 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 my holidays I was spending, you know, never seen a beach again kind of thing. I was, I was taking holidays at writing um, retreats, etc. And when I was at one retreat down in Devon, um, there was a writer called Shelley Harris, who's an excellent, an excellent writer. She wrote Jubilee, which was a Richard and Judy pick a, a while back. Very, very good. And she was there. She's a cracking person. And she we were chatting about what we were working on and she said, oh, can I have a read of what you're doing? And it was just the first rough draft. And, and, and Shelley said, you know, when you're ready, whenever that is, give me a shout because I think my agent might be interested in it, mm. which of course I was jumping, doing somersaults at the very thought of an agent, you know, yeah. much like you say, you go to the London Book Fair and you're like, oh my gosh, it's agents. Oh my Lord, <laughs> yeah. Flipping heck. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've all got so like halos later. above their head. In my, oh, they like yeah. they've got this little like ready bright glow around them. They do, don't they? they I do. still feel that. Um, <laughs> uh, um, they're a kind of. It's almost like they're the gatekeepers, aren't they? Yeah. They're kind of. They they could 
but they are actually normal people as well yeah it's good to know that aj it's good to know because in my world and that day they weren't but anyway that's another story that's another story i'm I'm still in awe of 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 what they all do it's still uh, you know it's that they really can make dreams come true Mm. but yeah i um when the book was ready and i had i'd also um i'd I'd been mentored by Julie Cohen, who who is another author who mm. who occasionally, when she has time, mentors people. And I'd been on a course with her, and um, and she had agreed to mentor me for a, for a little while. So I'd got the book as good as I could on my own, and then I I sent it out to some agents, including the one that Shelley had mentioned, Joe Unwin, um, who I super duper recommend. Um, and very luckily, she said she said she'd take me on and then there was another I think another nine months she sent me tons and tons of notes on the book I mean that's the thing for anyone writing um who is just beginning patience is a massive massive part of it It, that resilience and not giving up because it takes flipping ages Mm. um and then I nearly gave up and because (laughs) because I didn't know how the industry worked. The Frankfurt Book Fair was coming up in October 2016. And um, Joe, a couple of, well, probably about three weeks before, emailed me and said, how's it going on getting this ready for submission? And I pretty much lied. And because I thought, I've got ages till she'll need it for the fair. So I said, oh, yeah, pretty much there. And <laughs> she said, great, can you email it over? Because oh, yeah. uh, I need to submit it now because <laughs> actually people submit in the run-up as well as actually at yeah. the fair. So um, <laughs> she called my bluff. So I had to spend the, the weekend um, essentially typing as fast as I, as I could to change things and getting the, my agent to look at it and go more jokes in chapter six or, or sadder in chapter eight or whatever it was and then on the Monday she she sent it out to about 12 agents um, and by the Friday of that week I think we had seven offers wow. for, for, so it was a, it, it became a, an in, a very long trip to an overnight dream yeah really it yeah. wasn't mad Oh, but so well deserved. And how long, from when you first saw that magazine and you started writing it to that point, how long mm. was that? Well, I, th- I, I think the very first magazine must have been maybe in 2011. Um, okay. Maybe it was certainly about six years from the idea starting to, to being in a position to to pitch the, the book. I mean, I, I am slow and... There's a sad, I won't, for anyone who, who might want to read it and who hasn't, there's, there's a sad bit in the books. All my books are kind of, I hope, quite funny and also mm. they can be quite sad. And after I'd written this, I hate writing the sad bits. <laughs> I wrote the sad bit and then just didn't write anything else for about six months on it mm. because I just, it was too sad. I it didn't like sad. it. I think and, I know the bit you're talking about and I, it was mm. really sad. So, um, so yes, I wasn't really a greyhound on the old writing front. Um, so yes, I think it must have taken five or six years to get um, to get an offer, and then because publishing takes ages, doesn't mm. it? Um, uh, it was, I think, the, I got the deal in the September 2016, and 
the hardback of the first book came out in April 2018. So it was another 18 months before it came it? out. Yeah, so it was a long, like you say, a long time. Everyone yeah. says this, you know, an overnight success that had taken years to get to, but you really had yes. and, to, and to do all the search. And what, because I do, I mean, your voice, and you said about voice earlier, I mean, I love, and I again, I'm not, this is not being gushy. I truly, you can ask my husband this, because when I read your did Mrs. Bird, I was like, oh, you know, that to me is a bit, it's the Holy Grail. Emmy Lake, she's just so, she's got such a distinct voice and you, and it's lovely and it's different. It's very, very different. But how, I mean, I know it's a ridiculous question really, but how do you get that? Because it's, because I look at my writing now and I think, oh, I just, I don't mean this in like, I'm just, you know, in that, still in that beginning stage as such, but it just sounds like a mixture of everything. You know, it's not, it's not very distinctive. I feel, but how oh. how do you do that? Because Emmy, it, it's so. And I'm reading the latest one, Mrs. Porter, and it's the same there. How do you how do you keep that discipline of keeping that voice? I think it's it's creating the characters, and and I bet that what you're you're saying about your own books, I bet that's not true for a start. Yeah. You know, that's you being a a toughie on yourself, uh, as we all are. You know, I think it's, but I think it's. Um, for me anyway, it's all about the characters. And mm. um, this is, the books are about uh, a, a young woman in her twenties her who um, is kind of growing up in the war. And uh, she, it's not, Emmy isn't me, but she comes, she's a, a young woman from the country. She lives in Hampshire as well. And she goes to London and has big dreams. And I, I tap into that because that's what I did. Yeah. But it came alive, I think, when, um uh, at the beginning of the book um she and her best friend bunty are chatting about this advert she's seen in the paper for a job she'd like and that's where it really i think for me started clicking into place because when characters speak to each other especially when they know each other it's kind of you can almost relax and the more i know my characters and they've lived with me now for i guess about 10 years it's almost like you can stop thinking too much i overthink most things but if i'm doing dialogue with my characters um that's where they come through and the and i do read a lot of novels and magazines from that era so i try not to be a pastiche definitely but uh in that area era they are a little perhaps less cynical than people might be now and they're quite chipper about things and um, and I think, I think you just have to be, you just try to, to have the confidence. This is how I write. This is how I write to my friends. You know, if I'm, if I'm telling a, a story or an anecdote to people, or I'm writing an email, updating somebody, it's kind of how can I take what comes naturally to me in that and kind of refine it into a writing style without being self-conscious about it. I hope this doesn't sound pretentious. No, it doesn't um, at all. But it is that just kind of, um, what is it when you're chatting to people that makes them want to listen to your stories? Mm. And it, it could be that you're good at building a story that is full of suspense or um, you can, it's like, you know, if, if, you, if you're the one that, if you've got a, if your grandma is grumpy and you're the one that can go in to cheer her up, what is it about? about how you can cheer her up mm. that you can do and other people can't so it's sort mm. of I think just just trusting yourself that the more you write 
the more it will come naturally and also I mean when I was writing and still still I mean the the I I this is the scary time in the uh, at the moment you know a new book coming out you have that kind of oh crikey <laughs> it's all right but um it is saying in in any book I think this is how I write this is what I'm comfortable with I'm doing it as as well as I possibly can and then it's in the lap of the gods whether or not other people will enjoy it. Yeah. You can't make people enjoy your voice. I'm sure if I tried to write a se- you know terribly serious literary stuff, um, I I probably wouldn't be that good at it because I don't. That's not what I read, and that's not what I you know I like quite. I like to be gripped. I like stories about people. I'm not so big on plot, particularly, although rudely the publishers will insist that there is a plot in, in the books. But it's <laughs> sort of just just um, trying to relax and say, OK, this is, this is how I write. And someone somewhere will, will relate to it or, or find it gripping or find it moving. That everyone's audience is out there. I, I, think, I think that that is is true and it's up to us to try to learn the craft you know learn the to make sure that structurally we know how you know know what we're doing and be tough in terms of killing off characters that we might like but aren't working Um, and if we can do all the sort of craft part of it and let ourselves speak in our books in the way that is sort of true to us then it'll work I think Mm, that's such good advice I hadn't it's so it makes sense but just I hadn't thought of it like that but it's like like you say I mean on this podcast I've had Jill Mansell Katie Ford Millie Johnson you know we've been talking I asked very similar questions but we've had completely different conversations with completely different tones and there you go they're the ones that have written all the hits no no but you as well but you know it's it's exactly that it goes back doesn't it to what we're saying and this is applies I suppose if you're thinking about doing something interiors or Mm. accounting or whatever it may be it all goes back to what we're kind of really talking about that about having the confidence ignoring the voice and having that confidence to be yourself because not everybody is ever going to like you and it's all about finding your niche and your gang and that's exactly what you've done and that with not not just with your uh, the readers but with the people around you as well which Oh, I could talk about this all day. But anyway, I'm conscious of your time. I could really talk about it. <laughs> Let me just ask before we move on, because I you touched it there, because what I also love about your books, which I think this, for me, these are the perfect books where they do make you laugh and, and they are funny. And she is, she, I, I just find her very funny, Emily Lake. And I won't spoil it, say, but Mrs. Porter arrives. And I haven't got so far yet. I know she's going to turn nasty. and But you can tell that she's she's just starting to show the signs. This new person arrives with the magazine. <laughs> but um, how, but also like when you said about the sad moment and I and I say I I think I know what you're talking about and it was so incredibly sad but it's it's having the confidence to do that as well isn't it to have moments where it really make you laugh but also they can you could just feel oh my god that's just awful flawed but that is life isn't it that's what that's what real life is like that you can in a conversation in this conversation laugh about perms but also have some very touching moments as well absolutely I think that's the and also these books are based during the war and one of the things that I'm really keen on on is not turning it into some sort of you know theme park version of what was an appalling time and it really was appalling and so um 
whether it's a day-to-day thing that there are children in this book and um you know they uh, and my parents were children during the war and so I talked to them a lot about it you know that one of the things they did they'd play on bomb sites and you mm. think now gosh that's just yeah that's no you know that's yeah. dangerous and wrong and and awful that the bomb site is there anyway and um so I don't think you can write a book set in the war without there being serious parts of it so I try to make them essentially at- entertaining but with depth as well these are these are people who are not just skipping through the war they are they're trying desperately to keep normal lives and they're it's about friendship actually the Mrs Porter calling is 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 about a group of people fighting for what means the most to them and and that's i hope something we can all relate to from now to to any era and the important thing is it's people trying to get through the worst of times together and then enjoy the best of times together so they all kind of if something goes wrong for something for one of them they're all there together and and when things are going well they're all cheering each other on so um i hope that the books are quite uplifting in the end but as much as i enjoy writing the jolly bits um you have to have challenges you know we 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 say sort of hurdles and larks so there are jolly bits in it but there are also there have to be challenges and hurdles for the characters to go through otherwise readers i think wouldn't feel satisfied that they'd they'd had a good read mm. but again i could talk to you about this all day oh, thank you and have sorry a, i've been rattling on not at all <laughs> not at all but it's just so fascinating now so to be continued will you carry on with this series do you think or will you and will you carry on i mean also how amazing that you're using your history as a child that you, were, you and then <laughs> yes. here we are and here we are you know it's just this is the fascinating part of all of this i think but will you is this what you'll carry on doing do you think or do you would you ever start a new series or a new going to a new world i'd love to go into a, a new world i will definitely um finish the series to uh, to the end of the the war because i think people want to know they're investing in these characters and and readers want to know what's going to happen uh, who's yeah. going to make it who isn't who what happens so i'm definitely going to um to finish um the the war part of the series i i think i'd love to come back and revisit the characters um a few years later yeah. and see what they're doing and have some more adventures with them but i i have some ideas for other standalone books as well which i'm quite excited about so um as long as people will keep reading the books i'll 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 keep trying to write them mm. but um yeah lots of i've got one idea that i'm quite keen on but um we'll see Oh. I want to do the right thing for Emmy and Bunty first. Of course you do. You've got to, we all want you to do the right thing. Do you know who, <laughs> do you know who, who will make it? And that, do, I mean, obviously don't say, but have you got an idea? Um, yes, I know what happens in the end. Right. I always have done. Okay. Um, but I, when I'm writing, I try to pretend I don't know. Yeah. Um, and actually, and it works actually because um, it means, so if a character, um, I know who they'll be with romantically, but I kind of put that to one side so that when it happens and I'm writing it, you're still really excited yeah. for them. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you hear, if you feel yourself going, oh, I do hope they like each other, yeah. even though you know full well they do, yeah. then that helps you write the scene in a, in a quite a, a hopeful way, which yeah. I hope, you know, I hope never to. The whole point is 
don't make it sound as if you know what happens because that that's no fun for the readers no so but it is exciting yeah. when you like are they and that right you know are they going to get together and you, you yeah i love that and it's all like you get, i get all hot and blotchy <laughs> when i write yeah. if i write wrote that sounds like, but it's not <laughs> i'm only talking about kissing i'm like jill mansell so as far as i can't I don't do I mean, rude stuff yeah exactly no. i think we had this conversation <laughs> but i still get all like all like oh it's all nice anyway that's right romance i mean it just makes the world go round it does it does so it certainly does for your acknowledgements who would you like to thank aj who have helped you who are the people who've helped you along the way well, I think, I mean, we, this is another hour, really. I hate to go all <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow on, uh, you know, one of those speeches, but certainly all my writing friends, they, they, you know, they are all, they have been and always are so supportive. And so if this, because being published, even when you're super lucky, it is a roller coaster, isn't it? And mm. you have highs and you have lows and it is scary. And you're always wondering, is this the book people won't like? So my friends who put up with me going I don't I, I've got to research this and I don't know if it's right what do you think um I owe them a huge huge amount um and but it, it is that whole thing that for any author whether you're published through the the old traditional way or, or self-published actually at the end of the day it's the readers and the bloggers and the the, the book readers and the booksellers they're the people that that make this work and you know, if it wasn't for them, I'd just be someone sitting at home with a load of imaginary friends, which mm -hmm. <laughs> would be all right, but um, it would not be great. Um, so, yeah, I just, for all the people who get this from the library or or read it on Kindle or or go into the, in, actually, a, to mention independent bookshops um, who have been amazingly supportive to my stuff, mm. um, they are always really, really lovely. Um those are the people and the people who actually read the books mm. just thank you so much and i will keep trying to do my best on this stuff mm -hmm. i'm sure you will. do you find it when you mentioned earlier about doing the social media and obviously that's like you're going back to what we were saying now you can have a real connection with an author in the way mm. you know that that you couldn't like with the celebrities as we said before but do you do you do you find that easy or difficult you do when you say about social media and just getting the right message across how do you find that I really like Instagram. Mm. I love Instagram because you can kind of people are really have been so nice um, on Instagram and and they're very nice on Twitter as well. But um, there's more time to to sort of chat on Instagram. It feels and you can write a post and it might be oh I've got exciting news. I've got a new book out, which is all a bit salesy and that makes me cringe. <laughs> um, but hopefully you can share good stuff and bad stuff. Um, and you know you might say. Oh, I've had a bit of a horrible time and people are very kind. And um, so I, I really like that. I, I try to, I don't tend to go online on social. If I am having a horrible day, I tend to not share that if I can help it because um, everybody has bad days. It's, you know, I kind of think um, I don't want to bang on about it. So I try to be fairly chipper um, online but also quite honest i mean i think um i i, I will sort of say actually the, i did one of those things where you have nine pictures of yourself in the little square on and and i had my year of writing or something and most of them were were sort of very cheerful and well hey and then i put one in the corner a little black and white one 
of me just <laughs> with no makeup, middle of the night, having pulled another all-nighter. Uh, and I thought, I I'm going to include this picture because, you know, it's not all lying around on a chaise long dictating like Barbara Cartland yeah. used to. Um, <laughs> but I, I love it. And and I I, I, um, I always try to answer comments and, and um, I always read um, uh and you know if people ask questions I always answer them and it's and it's a lovely opportunity to to kind of know that you're not just there on your own making up stuff mm. so and I'm on Twitter as well but not quite as much because I find Twitter can be a funny old yeah not my bit people are lovely to me but um Twitter's all a bit yeah. intense isn't I mean, it? it is a bit really yeah it yeah is, it is it and is. I do a newsletter as well which um I I enjoy doing that because mm. that's good fun and that's there's no editor whispers it <laughs> there's no editor so I can write any old rubbish I love that on your website and it's like you know if you get really bored or whatever just unsubscribe <laughs> yeah totally if I'm being I mean I hope people aren't switching off from this because it's not, not Ellie's fault it's my fault I've not, been going on too long no at all. but would you promise me you'll put up a picture of your perm I mean you're going to have to do that now Okay, because it's yeah. complete with with bright blue eyeshadow as well. Oh, I believe. Oh yes, I'm I do. surprised. I'll try. <laughs> I am actually a little bit surprised you didn't put your hairdresser in your acknowledgements. To be honest with you, but I, you know, <laughs> I'm going to just leave it. Leave that one there, AJ. <laughs> leave that there. So, <laughs> so you traumatized? Yeah. Well, I think it was life changing. I think it was all part of that character building. So, your finally your tips and advice. Okay, so two sides here. We do the book one, but and then we do non books. So. Okay. For people listening to this writing, uh, you know, people like me, people or who are thinking that they do want to even just start writing. And like you said, you know, feel that, you know, there's enough books in the world. Who wants to listen to me? You've got all these amazing people. For goodness sake, you've got, you know, AJ Pierce, you've got mm. all this. Why does anyone need me? What would you say to that person to how do they get over that fear to, to get going and to keep going? Well... Uh, someone did say that to me in a books um, event I did once. A gentleman in the Q&A said, um, don't you think there are enough books about the war already? And <laughs> it made me laugh because there are enough books. I mean, there are millions. There are enough, in terms of quantity, of course, there are more than enough books. None of us need ever pick up a pen again. But they're, they're not your book. They're, they're not your voice and your story and your feelings and your view and your creativity. Every single person has a right to write a book or, or a poem or something they never want to be published. You know, it's, it's, everyone is as valid as the next person. And the more, the more voices there are and the more views, the better. And I think that's the brilliant thing about self-publishing as well which I have at the back of my mind that I, I would be really interested in doing that as well, because that's another really exciting thing of how you don't have to depend on publishers anymore. We can get to people and, and, and offer what we have to say. And, and, you know, it's a bit like saying nobody needs more friends. Well, if the right person comes along, that's a lovely thing, isn't it? Mm. It's kind of, we, there's always space for more and, and don't be, start off, if, if you're worried about writing, start off, just write for yourself. Mm. Go and sit, go and, you know, I, I was listening to your interview with Katie, who when she started, 
um, Katie Ford, you know, she was writing an hour when the children were, were in bed or whatever. So just if you get, get 10 minutes for yourself, just sit there and look out the window or watch something on TV and just start describing it or, or writing stuff for yourself. And it might lead somewhere. And, but you are absolutely, totally justified to write everybody is and don't let anyone else tell you that you shouldn't mm, it's amazing like you say it's like jumping into the swimming pool and so to, so mm. away from books if someone's listening to this and you know that that fear i know we talk about it but i think sometimes that's it's almost sometimes the hardest part where it's not just the stepping over the line saying look you know i want to be a writer or i want to work in interiors i always use interiors as a uh, I, but you know i want to be a hairdresser or i want to be a florist yes. but then when you start doing it and actually it doesn't go quite as well as you want it to or you do it and then you're like okay here we go right what do I do now oh no this is hard you know and it's not having the reaction and it's not being picked up in the way or you know all those things and then you start thinking god I'm actually not very good at this and maybe I shouldn't be doing when you start there what I kind of call when you're going into start going into the messy middle as such like you said there were times mm. where you nearly get like you did think about giving up what do you say to that person because I mean you carried on going and look where it's taking Jimmy amazing but what do you say when they're in that like dark night of the soul period where they're like oh I just don't know if I can keep doing this well, I think it's, uh, I think I go back to how would you, what would you say to your best friend if, if she or he was saying this, or they were saying this to you, you know, and firstly, um, it is all right to give up. I think that's, that's okay, that with anything, um, I mean, we all have to make a living and we all have to, we all have loads of commitments. Um, so if you decided to put down your laptop and not write for a bit, that's all right. It's absolutely okay. You you know this is supposed to be fun and and it is frightening and there are there are setbacks so enjoy try to enjoy it and if it's not because if it is a hobby rather than it being your job if it's not enjoyable stop for a bit um i i've stopped several times and then gone back to it when you know if you've got a lot on in your personal life it can be quite hard to keep writing your books when you're worried sick about really important life events so um, don't force it um, unless, of course, you're being paid and then you sort of have to, which is, you know, that, that's fine. But I think um, I'm about to start a, a, a weekly art class in my local village. But, and I'm going with a friend because um, we decided we wanted to do something. And um, I know I'm no good at art <laughs> and I'm going to be probably the worst in the class, but I'm going to give it a go anyway and possibly ask the teacher not to put it on Facebook which she seems to do but um but blimey the, the world's a tough place particularly at the moment isn't it mm. and so anything just be kind to yourself if you can and I know that's blooming hard but um write if it's making you happy but if it's not or if it's getting too hard take a break because um life's hard enough as it is without putting all that pressure on yourself I think mm. but then I don't follow my own advice so who am I to give advice my goodness you just I mean you did say you were burning like through the middle of the night that you're writing and that kind of thing but, yeah. but but then if you have something you love and and like you say I suppose it is your job as well but it you it's just that it, it's okay I suppose what as well what you're saying it's okay to sometimes find it hard it's not natural yeah. oh, writing is writing's I find well maybe it isn't maybe it's just me but I find writing 
really hard and and if you write any sort of a book whether you're published or not that's a massive achievement i mean there are lots of books out there but if it was easy there'd be loads more mm-hmm. um so honestly if you this is a there are highs and lows at, but writing books um to to get published is is yes don't you think it is really hard oh I find it so hard I'm glad you say that but I am I'm 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 particularly finding it hard at the moment I don't I'm finding it very Mm. overwhelming and I think sometimes the more you learn and that's what I mean to other people as well not just writers but I just think this is the whole thing of this next chapter podcast and when you start something new Mm. again especially when you've sort of done already quite a few chapters before you can sometimes think you know I was speaking to somebody yesterday I said it'd be so much easier if I just said you know what I just do my day job and I just watch Virgin River on Netflix because I love Virgin River on Netflix why don't I do that you know it just would make life a lot but I think I just I I mean I do love Virgin River but I'm not going to do that because I just think when you find something you do love to do that's part of it sometimes it is hard because you care so much about it and that's the same with any next chapter so it's the going but that you know hopefully knowing that you're not alone when you when you're feeling like that there are other people with you you're not alone I mean it takes passion you've got to write what you you love it takes a huge amount of guts and perseverance um and it's okay to sometimes you know, as particularly if it, it if you're doing it on top of the day job or family commitments, it's okay to take a bit of a break because the other brilliant thing is that you can write, you can get published at ninety. No. Uh, you know, there's no cutoff date on this, no. and that's really good. It's not like saying, "Crikey, I really want to dance for the royal ballet." Yeah. When there is a bit of a <laughs> that day's gone. Um, but right, I mean, look at um, the brilliant Bonnie Garmus who. Yeah. Um, whose book has been lessons in chemistry i mean i think bonnie is 65 That's brilliant yeah so it can happen at any point yeah uh, yeah it's never too, and who knows where that art class is going to take you as well aj I mean, you can well be i can the see a, an etsy there. shop by christmas yeah me too and an exhibition with <laughs> jill mansell i'll be there you, you can come back on the next chapter for that one as well for your next next chapter <laughs> but listen aj because you have been i could talk to you all day i feel honestly you have been amazing thank you so much for being such a fabulous guest on the next chapter oh no thank you this has been such such fun i hope it's I've gone on to for far too long, but I've had a lovely time. So thank you so much. It's oh. been really good fun. So there you are. I loved that. I mean, I just took such a lot from it. Perhaps the most important for me was how we find our own voice. For me, yes, it's my writing, but well, it can be anything, whatever you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to do in anything in life, it's always so important for us to have our own voice. So I really hope this conversation has made you think about that a little bit more. AJ's brilliant book, Mrs. Porter's Calling, is out now. And a warning, well, Mrs. Porter is a real baddie. You can find out all about Emmy Lake and AJ's books on her website. The link is in the show notes. And of course, you can keep up with me and my books at elliebarkerwrites.com. I'd love it if you joined our Next Chapter community and we could keep in touch and, well, that would make my day. So I'll be back very soon with Series 9 and I've got some goodies, I can tell you. In the meantime, keep finding that voice. I know you can do it and AJ does too. Speak soon.